Hey there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast, where our goal is to equip you with the tools you need to ditch the prayer guilt, grow in your relationship with God, and pray like you and nobody else. Stay tuned for our latest episode after this quick word from our sponsor. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Hi there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Jamie Hampton, and I'm really excited to be here today uh, to talk with Hannah Shermerhorn, author of A Single Life to Live, Stop Waiting for Your Life to Begin and Thrive Where God Has You Today. Hannah, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to get to actually see you face to face. We got to work together on the conference, but that was all through email and we didn't ever get to talk. So this is really exciting. I I love um I love your book and I just love the messages that you share and um thank you for being candid and just sharing some personal experiences for the benefit of of other people that I know will really benefit from your story. Yeah, of course. I'm glad uh, that I could share. And it's crazy that my book is finally coming out and people are reading it. That's right. So tell us that the actual is the date the 11th? It's February 14th is the official date. Well, that's pretty clever. (laughs) So yeah, that's awesome. Well, we'll talk about that later. But um, this will be airing on the uh, 12th. Is that right? Let's see. Yeah, I think this is airing on the 12th. So um, so they'll have a couple of days before. So do you have pre-order stuff going on yes, between now pre- and Wednesday? Okay. Yeah, there's pre-orders and Amazon is actually sending out the pre-orders already. So people can order it and get it right away. Oh, really? That's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Okay, mm-hmm. so we'll talk more about that. But yeah, look, look on Amazon for A Single Life to Live and you'll get it before you're supposed to. <laughs> Yes. A fun little surprise. (laughs) That is awesome. Well, I would like to, uh, I'd like to talk before we get into the book. We always like to ask our guests, what is your favorite prayer closet in quotes? Where do you like to go to feel close to God? It could be very traditional. It could be totally bizarre. Where do you connect with God? (laughs) I feel like my favorite place is definitely going in nature. So like going anywhere where I can go hiking and just spend time with God. But then at home, I would say my prayer closet is just a pink notebook that I have where I can write out prayers and talk and things like that. So it can be anywhere in my house, but then nature also outside. That's great. I love you being able to take your prayer closet with you. When your prayer closet is a notebook, you just tuck it in your bag, you take it wherever you want, and it always kind of feels like home. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, let's talk about your book in your new book coming out Valentine's day. I think that's very, I'm sure that was on purpose just because Valentine's day, let's talk about that for single women. Valentine's day can be a really loaded day. (laughs) 
Yes. Yes. I feel like it can be just like birthdays also where it's like, oh, another year is passing and I'm still not in a relationship. And it just feels weird. And like, how are you supposed to celebrate this day? What are you supposed to do? And that's especially why I wanted this book to come out so that people can be doing something different on Valentine's Day versus just, oh, it's Valentine's Day. This is weird. I love that. Well, in in this book, like I said, you share a lot of your own experiences um, very candidly and honestly. Um, could you just talk about your story briefly and just kind of why you decided this book needed to be written? Yeah. So when I was in college, I was in a relationship and toward the end of college, we thought that we were going to move forward and get married. Everything was kind of progressing that way. So we got engaged, we planned our whole wedding. And then just a couple months before we were supposed to get married, my fiance told me about some struggles he was having that were um, much worse than I knew in an addiction. Um, and it made it very hard to move forward. So he kind of hadn't been telling me about this. And then, then it came out toward the end, uh, much worse than I expected. So we didn't know what to do. And we spent a lot of months trying to figure out what to do if I should continue this relationship or not. But then it eventually, unfortunately, reached a point where he just said that it was my fault that I had a problem with his addiction and that other girls would be okay with it. So uh, I knew then that the relationship had to end. And I was very, very upset because right before college was supposed to end, I was suddenly single and I did not expect that to happen. I thought I knew, you know, I was getting married, where I was going to live, all of those kind of things. And all of a sudden, everything was wiped clean from what I thought my future was going to be. So I was very, very upset and just did not know what to do. Um, I really struggled with being single in that period. But then as the time went by, as years went by, all of a sudden I realized that I was happy and I was still single. And I realized that God had really changed my heart through different, you know, sermons and Bible passages and different people I met, mentors, things like that, where I had gone from a place where I was super upset about being single to all of a sudden I was very excited about it. So when that happened, I thought I should write a book because that would have been nice to know all of these things earlier, but it took me some time to get there. So after a lot of nudges and finally getting there, I'm like, okay, I'm going to write this book because I think this is, you know, what I wish existed when, when I became single. And this would have totally changed my perspective and made me able to enjoy this season of my life much earlier than the many years that it took me to get there. So that is how my book was born. I was muted. Uh, I'm unmuted now. I, I share a similar story with you. Um, there was no addiction involved, but I was engaged in college and right up until like two months, not even two months, maybe a month before we were supposed to get married. I was going to graduate. I was going to move to the state that he was living in and it was all planned out. And then we, you know, we had had some discussions over the months about particularly his kind of reservations, not knowing if he was totally sure that kind of surfaced long after we got engaged. Um, and it just um, went and we ended up breaking the engagement and it was devastating. It was um, it's more than a broken relationship at that point. It's uh, the loss, the death of a life that you had envisioned. And yeah. 
it was very startling and jarring, especially when it happens suddenly, you know, especially when you don't really see it coming. And so, you know, it ended up obviously in hindsight, I mean, that was more than 25 years ago, I think now. And I look back and I'm so thankful that God has us both now with the people that he intended us to be with. But at the time you're just thinking, what did I do wrong? And did I hear wrong from God? Because I know the women that are single right now, um, some of them have been in relationships where they thought it would be the one and they thought they heard God say, this is the one for you. In fact, I had a friend that was very vocal about, yes, God told me that you guys are going to be together when we started having these conversations about some of his doubts. It was like, no, you're supposed to be together. So I think it's just a reminder, like, uh, when, when life and relationships throw you curveballs, it, it's not easy to handle them, but, um, but just to be open to the next chapter, because I, I know it's some, it's sometimes really hard to feel like you've heard from God that this is what's going to happen and maybe feel betrayal when it falls apart or like, why didn't you give me warning about this? You know, in, in the case of, of the revelation that you got, like, did you feel any of that, like betrayed by God that he didn't give you a heads up or that he allowed you to be in this situation? Or did you not struggle with those feelings? Yeah, I definitely struggled with that too. And I think I struggled with both myself thinking, why didn't you see this coming? And, you know, God, why did you let this happen if you knew this was going to happen? This relationship, especially I had prayed for for a long time before it started. Um, I'd liked this guy who didn't necessarily like me and was just like, please, God, let this happen. And then it eventually did. So I definitely struggled with, okay, God, it would have been easier if you just would have not let this happen originally. So I think I struggled with that for years, to be honest, of, you know, why did I have to go through this? But then as time passed, I started seeing how everything unfolded out of that hardship. And all of a sudden, everything started looking a lot better as I saw how God used it for good. So in the beginning, it was like, oh, I have my whole life just kind of wiped clean. What am I supposed to do with my life? God, why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? And then as time passed, it's like, oh, I wouldn't have gotten this job unless that thing happened because I was planning on moving somewhere with my you know, fiance when I married him and getting a job in a certain place. But now I got a different job that's better suited for me. And things like I wouldn't be writing. I went to school for engineering unless this experience had happened. And then I started writing and realized just how much I do like writing and feel like, you know, that's what God, God has called me to do. So I think at first it was really hard to understand, you know, God, why are you letting me be in this place when I do not want it? But then as life unfolds, I realized that's just a tiny speck of my life and God really used it for good. So he'll keep on doing that no matter what I go through. Yeah. And I I just feel like sharing your story on the other side of it can really help people to have hope, you know, no matter what situation you're going through. I always find myself when I go through hard times or I'm experiencing something, I I'm longing for hearing from someone down the line on the other side of it so that I can think, okay, there's hope. There's someone that got through this. There's someone that sees good in it. There's someone that's pushing forward that, that is okay. And I just, you know, I know that it should be just this, oh, well, I have faith that God is in it. But when you're in the midst of it, in the thick of heartbreak, you can't always just 
you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's not that easy. So I just want to give encouragement to anyone out there suffering from heartbreak after the loss of a relationship you thought was going to be it. Um, Don't be afraid to feel the pain. Don't feel like you have to put on a happy face. You can, you can lament, you can feel sad, you can grieve the death of that dream and God is there to, to receive it, you know, just be honest with him because he's there to receive it. Um, he can handle it. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's something I struggled with too. I tried to just move forward really fast from it. Like, okay, that didn't go well, but I'm just going to keep plowing forward. And I didn't sometimes really sit in it and let myself process. I, I kind of made excuses like other people go through way worse things. You know, other people break off much more, you know, marriages or things like that. This is just right. an engagement, but that was just making it so that I didn't actually, you know, address what was going on in my brain and things like that. So once I finally started you know, working through it and talking about it and things like that, it really helped me to heal a lot more and actually move on, not just fake move on from what was going on in that relationship. That's an important point. I think we tend to do that um, a lot is just try to like, we end up minimizing our pain if it's not a death of a person, or if it's not something that's we deem worthy to be upset about, uh, you know, like, well, I'm a Christian, I should be happy. And this is, I'm just single, you know, even if you're not suffering from a broken heart and you're just single and you have this longing and you think, well, there are other people in worse situations, but again, like heartbreak is heartbreak and longing is longing and it's okay to, to feel those things. And I think you're right that if you don't sit in it, cause I think I had the temptation to be really stoic. Also, I was breaking inside, but I got busy and just started kind of building a life around me as quickly as I could. And I think in that regard, I maybe didn't sit with that pain and unpack it in the, in the time that I was feeling the pain. So it kind of took longer to process, I think, than it would have if I had sat with it longer. It took me longer to get over maybe than it could have. If I yeah. sat with it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Same thing for me. And I, I think mine came out on, you know, trying to date again afterwards. And just I in my book, I read about one experience where I, I threw up on a date because I was just oh. triggered so much from the past and oh, my past wow. experience that that's what happened. But it it took something that extreme for me to realize, oh, I just I just tried to move on from some of the, some of this and I really didn't, you know, sit in it and figure it out. So it was good for me in the grand scheme of things, but very awkward for me at the time, but also a good story for me later. <laughs> I was going to say that makes for a great story for your book though. God yes. knew. <laughs> yes, exactly. I I was writing the book at the time and I pretty much had my outline and then that happened and I was like, man, I need to talk more about baggage because that is what I'm dealing with. So it, it was definitely good. And that is really good. I mean, you know, it's not really good that you threw up on the date, but now it, now it's fine. But working <laughs> through baggage is, is really good to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what are what are some of the obstacles that prevent single women from embracing and even rejoicing in singleness? Yeah, I think that we get a lot of influence and pressure from society and even maybe our friends and family. And, you know, when we start looking at what's around us, there's the TV shows and the songs on the radio and, you know, the commercial ads that show that people are in a relationship and they're happy and that's what makes you happy. So we get this message kind of from society that, 
oh, you know, the story is complete. The happy ending comes when I do get married. And then sometimes we even have our friends and family that are, you know, nudging us of, aren't you married yet? We want, we just want you to be happy, things like that. And it's easy to take all that and really believe, oh yes, when I do get married, that's what's going to make me happy. But the problem with that is that that's not what's going to fulfill us or make us happy or anything like that. When we get married, there's still issues and there's still stuff to work through. And it's still hard work all the time just in a relationship. So it's easy just to believe this kind of narrative that goes on in the world of, yeah, I need to be in a relationship to be happy. But as we unpack it, it's really not true or not helpful to, to believe that. Yeah. Unfortunately, I see it. I have a third grader. And I see it in her class, like they are already talking about boys and boyfriends and girlfriends and like, it's almost like an expected thing. And yes, yes, we are, you know, we have an an inner drive to seek out companionship because of the survival of humanity. You know, that's how it works. But it's, there's this message, I think that the girls that have boys that like them are better than the girls that don't or the girls that quote have a boyfriend or I mean what does that mean in the third grade you know but (laughs) yes exactly we've had to have some conversations this year (laughs) and it's just um yeah it's it's really there it's a message that starts early that your value as a person is directly proportional to whether you have a boyfriend or a significant other and um, and also your happiness is, is hinging on that. And I think that is so hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. And I feel like, like you're seeing it that young. I remember one time I was flying on a plane for work and I had this older lady next to me and she had actually married a guy who like worked on the shuttle to go to the moon and had this full life with children and everything, you know, full, so to say. And then she had told me that her husband had passed away like a year or two earlier. And she, and her response was, so I better get out there and start looking again. And I'm like, what? Like you've, you've done all this already. And you still feel the pressure that you need to be in a relationship like that really was eye-opening to me and yeah as young as it can be and even people have been married before and you know done all that before like there's a pressure that just goes to everyone which is incredible but I I think it all goes back to you know it feels good to be chosen and we are chosen by God but having Mm. like a physical person choose us can be a lot more I don't know loud in our brains than what God choosing us is even though God choosing us is so much bigger it's like oh I've got this earthly chosenness that makes me feel loved but really it's just because we're craving that bigger bigger chosen yeah so how do we get there how do we because you know sometimes when you are feeling that intense desire to be chosen by a human it can you can want to just gloss over people saying well you know God loves you God Jesus will be your husband you know and that can you know, that can almost feel like, no, I've heard that before. I'm going to gloss over that. How do we get back to recognizing that? Because as a married person, I totally need to remember that too. And we all do, you know, I think like, I just realized that whether it's, whether you're single or not, I think there's a real hole in our understanding and, you know, of who God is to us and that we are enough. 
mm-hmm. by just being loved by him. And so um, how do we get there? Like, what what are some things we can do to kind of get back to that understanding? Yeah, I think one of the things that helped me is my cousin had the shallow list of reasons to get married, which I thought was amazing. It was like, you know, reaching things in tall places and being a space heater warmer than me. <laughs> like Maybe she's like, I don't like doing taxes so he can do taxes, like just, you know, things like that. And it made me laugh, That's but that fun. it made, yeah, but that it also made me realize like, I do this also for a relationship. Like I have a list of reasons why I want to get married and if I really unpack those, those all point back to God, not necessarily a person. So, you know, I want that validation. I want to be loved. I want someone who cares about my life and what's going on in my life. I actually sat down and wrote down all of my reasons of why I wanted to get married. And then I looked at them and I was like, God actually either is completely fulfilling of this or, you know, he's like provided something to help me with this, which is pretty crazy. So I did both like a real list of reasons I wanted to get married. And then I had my shallow ones like killing spiders. And then I was like, oh, I got this cat that kills spiders. Like I just went through all of them, which is very, very nice. Um, But I think a lot of times if we really unpack, you know, it's easy to say I want to be married, but then ask the question, well, why do you want to be married? What? What, what is it about marriage that you're really craving or really desiring? Because marriage isn't just some fairy tale. It's still, you know, a lot of things that you have to do in there that are hard work. So what specifically are you craving? And then how does God fulfill that? Or, you know, you might know, but you might need to dive into that a little bit more. So if it's, I feel lonely, I just don't want to feel alone all the time, then it's okay. Like God promises, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. He's right there with us. So how do we dive into that more? We read the Bible so that we know he's with us. So we're constantly reassured of those things. So I think for me, I literally had to write out everything and just see how do I work through each of these to realize the truth of God's love in each of these things I'm feeling and then just completely like reassure myself constantly of I feel this way but here's what God says this is true and keep going back to that yeah and that's it's so applicable to every area of life too just it's basically spiritual warfare it's praying yeah. for lies to be exposed identifying the lies and then combating them with truth like that is that's that's really spiritual warfare and Mm -hmm. it's yeah that's good well you talk in your book about jeremiah and how he lived a lonely life but he trusted god so what did he do that we don't necessarily do today Yeah, Jeremiah was someone I learned a ton from, and his story is just incredible how lonely his circumstances were. So he was called to tell people that they were sinning and that they need to repent of their sin. So the people around him hated him because they did not want to hear that message. So they did everything from throwing him in solitary confinement to his hometown trying to kill him to putting him in a cistern and just letting him sink in the mud to try to die. Uh, so when I think of loneliness and, you know, singleness, it's just can't even possibly compare to what Jeremiah is going through. I mean, you may face rejection and physically being alone from time to time, but it's nothing compared to that. So what Jeremiah did is he was just honest with God about how he felt. He would say things, you know, like, why did I have to even be born to go through all of this? And he would just 
display his raw thoughts to God and work through them with God. And then by doing that and working through it with God, he was able to say things like, the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. And he was able to see the truth of, sure, I feel this way, but this is the truth of what's going on. And I can be confident that God is with me in all of these circumstances. And even though everyone around me doesn't like me, I'm literally physically alone sometimes, like solitary confinement. God is still with me. And that is enough for me to survive and thrive and keep working out the mission that I've been intended to do. That's really good. And it goes back to that same, you know, fighting the lies and sometimes our emotions and how we feel is not truth. In fact, a lot of times it's not. So, you know, we feel like we've been betrayed by God. If something that we thought was going to turn into marriage doesn't, or a relationship that we thought would go further doesn't, um, or we think we have the perfect person and they don't show interest in us. And you're like, it would be so easy, God. Why can't you just, would this really hurt for you to make yeah. this work out? You know, how yeah. you're the creator of the universe. Come on. And we feel betrayed. We feel unseen um, or, you know, like worse yet, God's not answering this prayer. Well, what if he doesn't even hear it? What if he doesn't even care? What if he's too busy doing big things and he doesn't even see me? And, you know, the way that we feel is is not always reality and truth and we just have to recognize that and combat that with the truth of knowing that he's always at work he's always at work behind the scenes even if it doesn't look like it even if we can't see it he's always there he's always just a knock at the door away even if we feel like he's really distant and doesn't hear us like he is he's omni omnipresent he's omniscient like he's he's everywhere um and that can be really a helpful reminder. I think I love that story. And, and just the horrible picture of what he was going through really does like shed, <laughs> shed light on, okay, these, these, these struggles are, let's keep them in perspective and just keep going forward and trusting. But yeah, exactly. And I think another story that was really helpful to me was the story of Lazarus when he dies and Jesus raises his, him from the dead. And before Jesus raised him from the dead, Jesus wept with the people who were weeping for Lazarus. Mm -hmm. And Jesus knew he was going to raise him from the dead, you know, in, in a matter of moments, but he still sat with people in their pain. He still felt their pain with them. So I think, you know, if we're going through loneliness or something difficult like that and God feels far away, he cares about what we're going through, even though he's working it out for good as he promises, he still cares about what we're experiencing in each moment. And I think that's just really helpful that God loves us that much that he knows our pain. He cares about our pain. And as we work out stuff, he might be like, oh, just wait a couple of days and see what's going to happen. You're going to be so happy. He's he's not just like that. He's like, I know you're going through this. I am working it out for good and you'll be happy. But like, I understand what you're going through right now. Yeah, I love that that story is included in the Bible because it's puzzling at first. It's like, well, what, why, yes. why is he crying? You know, come on, you know, the end, but yeah. it is, I mean, just, I love that. I love that that is included because it does help us to remember that, that he cares enough to cry with us because our pain, even though he knows what's going to happen in the end, I think of it as like, there've been times when I've had good secrets from my kids about things that we were going to do or things that they wanted that they thought they weren't going to get. And that it was like, yeah. oh, I can't wait to tell them. <laughs> and the disappointment when they think they're not getting the thing or not doing the thing is really, it's sometimes it is hard to see that. And you want to 
spill the beans early, but it would keep that thing in the future from being so exciting and special. And so I I can kind of see that parallel of Jesus just being like, oh, this pain, you know, I, I love these people so much and they're in so much pain. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, what would you say has been the, what was the biggest struggle in your prayer life as a single Christian woman? I think as we touched on a little bit, I think for me, it really just was, God, what am I supposed to be doing with my life right now? From the time I was a little kid, I thought, you know, I'd grow up and I'd get married and I'd have kids and have this kind of happily ever after, so to say. And then all of a sudden that didn't happen the way I thought it was supposed to happen. And in my mind, it was just like, that was my purpose. What is my purpose now? What am I supposed to be doing? So I just really struggled with like, what is the point of my life right now? What am I supposed to be doing with it? I have no idea, you know, where I'm supposed to be going or what I'm supposed to be focusing on or doing and, and things like that. So for me, the struggle was just, you know, what's my importance here in life? God, please show me a way of what I'm supposed to be doing because I have no clue what I'm supposed to be doing. And did you find that as you prayed those prayers that you got the step-by-step, like the revelation of the next thing as you went, or was it sometimes hard to see? Was it, did you have, you know, how did that look in your everyday prayer life when you went to God with those things? Were there times when you didn't hear anything and you were like, oh, what do I do? Um, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think like the first few years, honestly, were just like, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to like keep doing the thing that's in front of me. You know, I'll get this job. I'll do that. But nothing was very clear for me. And I'm a very um, like goal driven achieving type of person. So for me, for it to be so vague is really, really hard. Um, and then it ultimately was just kind of a whisper of writing the book. And and honestly, before that, I feel like I got out of the relationship and I was like, how can I use this for good? I should write about it. But I hadn't felt it. I hadn't gone through the experience and the healing to really write about it. Right. So I had to like take that time to really process everything and God to teach me a lot of things I really needed to learn. And then as that was going on, kind of, you know, after years, not even like weeks or things like that, that's when I started getting this whisper of, you know, maybe you should be writing this book. And I had that for a long time and it wasn't actually until I went to a John Foreman concert from Switchfoot that he played this documentary called 25 and 24, where he played 25 concerts in 24 hours. Um, And he was just showing how he followed a dream that he had and just all of the good that came out of that dream, even though it totally seemed crazy. Uh, And at the end of the concert, they handed us these pieces of paper that said, my dream is dot, dot, dot. And when I got that paper, I was like, I need to do this dream of writing a book. Like that is what I should be doing right now. But that was years from my initial, you know, becoming single. It was a Mm -hmm. lot of years that that happened. And then once I was like, this is what I'm doing, I was full steam every night, weekend, working on it, things like that, that I could, but it took a long time to get there. And I was so happy once I finally got that because it's like, yeah, this all makes sense now. But even in the time getting to that point, there were so many experiences of just meeting people, you know, even on trains and planes and things like that and talking to them and getting 
seeing their perspective and seeing how, you know, single people are going through similar things that I was going through and how they were working through things, all of that, that was really building up to what would be coming for me. But I didn't know that it was coming. Uh, And I feel like that's very similar to a lot of stories in the Bible where it's like, oh, we know what happens to them in the end. Like Joseph, like he's going through all of these struggles and, oh, I know he's going to have the happy ending. But when you think about his perspective, he did not know what was coming. So he was struggling through it too, but God, God really takes that stuff and uses it for good. That's great. I'm still trying to get over 25 concerts in 24 hours. <laughs> yes. How does the that work? is amazing. He just did like a couple of songs. He did like his favorite Mexican restaurant, the high school he grew up in. That like cool. it's, it's a great documentary. I mean, it like literally pushed me to be like, even if these dreams seem crazy, like God uses it for good. So I'd, I'd highly recommend it to anyone. I know it was on Amazon for a while. It might still be. Oh, I will look that up. I love Switchfoot. Mm-hmm. Um, well, just to think that that dream of his ended up inspiring you to write this book and was like the, you know, the final yes. straw that broke the camel's back in writing the book. And who knows how many other people we're moved to that next step in obedience by just the, you know, that God spoke through that. So exciting. Very cool. It's awesome. And it's like, that's what, that was a big eye opener to me. Like maybe in the book of Nehemiah at the same time was helpful to me too, where he had the dream to, he says like the dream God put on my heart to rebuild Jerusalem Mm -hmm. and he was a cupbearer to the King. So like, that seems like a really strange out of his realm type of dream, but then God Mm -hmm. had all these people come back and read his word and praise him and all this beautiful stuff came out of it. So just like a couple stories like that, like John Foreman's 25 and 24, it's like, God gives us these dreams. Sometimes they're not very clear. Like I had years where I had no idea what to do, but then when it was in my brain, it's like, maybe God gave me this because he wants me to pursue it and wants something really good to come out of it. It was hard for me because I'm a corporate, like I thought you do a corporate job, you know, you work hard at it and that's what you're supposed to do. Um, So it took a lot of convincing for me uh, to actually follow these dreams and see the value of what it is. But man, God can do crazy things with them. So it's it's good to see that from other people. And yeah, just what this documentary could do for me and other people as well. That's great. Well, what has been the biggest blessing in like, what is it? What is the biggest blessing that singleness brought to your prayer life? I think just a lot of thankfulness for sure. So when I first became single, I did a ton of counseling. um, And one of the things we really focused on was just seeing the good things that were happening every day, no matter how small and being thankful for them, which of course seems like an easy concept, but it really, really helped me to be like, I wanted this relationship, but I do have all of these other amazing things going on in my life Um, and focusing on that and seeing the good in that. And at the time, you know, those seemed like really tiny things. But then as I've moved forward, I I can still be thankful for those tiny things, but also thankful for all of these big things that came out of, you know, me being single, like writing a book on it and being able to talk to people and things like that, that I never would have expected would have happened in my life. So it just made me thankful for so many little things, but then just such big things that God has done in my life out of allowing me to break off a relationship and be single. Yeah. I mean, that is just the becoming thankful, like cultivating gratitude is something that 
transforms your whole life. I mean, it just like to be able to look around you and even notice the little things. I mean, I think in our, in our world right now where we're just inundated with input, we can be numbed. And I know the temptation when you're in pain is to numb your pain, whether it's binge watching Netflix or scrolling Instagram or whatever, reading books, uh, watching movies and, you know, those things just, um, and even when I'm not in tremendous pain and I'm just a little stressed, I tend to try to numb. I've noticed I do that instead of making still white space to, to notice things because it's painful sometimes when you have a lot going on or when you're, when you're in pain anyway, to be alone with your thoughts. And so, I think mm-hmm. the temptation is to shy away from that. But when we make that space for gratitude, not just to leave it open for all of the what ifs and the, you know, wallowing and self-pity to take place. But if we make that conscious effort to notice what's around us, to be mindful and present in our moment and look around and be like, oh my goodness, like there are so many things that I can focus my attention on and my mind on. And when you start doing that, I mean, have you seen that that practice at that time has carried over into your life now? Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And I feel like it helped me too to realize like one of the questions I had in my mind was what would my life need to look like so that I wouldn't care if I was single or in a relationship? Oh, that is such a good question. Yeah. And just like being thankful for things and then also seeing what my talents were and moving more toward the life of like, this is what makes me excited. This is what makes me happy. Maybe it doesn't make sense to me of how I thought my life would go. But moving toward that for me, it was, you know, writing the book made me come to a place where it's like, yeah, it doesn't actually matter what my relationship status is because I'm just so thankful for what my life is. And God's really shown me what my talents are that make me come alive and be excited. And, you know, I'm helping people and that's so much more important to me than being in a relationship. So I'm doing this, whether I'm single or married, it doesn't matter. It's I'm just excited about, you know, how my life is going and what God has allowed me to do in my life. That question is so, so good, so profound. And I mean, you mentioned also in your book that some that that you had this idea about marriage that, you know, it would bring fulfillment and that it would be this great thing until you started talking to some of your married friends. Can you address that? Because I think it's important to talk about this fact that people can be just as lonely in marriages as they can be in their singleness. Yes, and that marriage comes with its own set of baggage. So talk about some of those conversations and what that helped you to realize. Yeah, I think that I had, you know, kind of a fake view of marriage, probably from Disney movies. I don't know where it came from exactly. Just, you know, you fall in love and it's great and you're singing and all sorts of good things. But then, you know, when I started talking to my married friends and they were honest with me, not like oversharing honest or anything, but just like, no, like, you know, we fight every couple of days. The other night I was crying about this. This was going on. And like, these are people that have really good marriages. I love them both. You know, they do really well. And I would I always thought like, this is the type of relationship I want to be in. Um, Those people were the ones that were sharing with me. And on the outside, they probably looked like they 
they've got this perfect marriage. But then when they're open and honest about like, no, this is this is work every single day. If you want to be married, you have to wake up every day and say, I am putting the other person ahead of me. And <laughs> that is a lot of work. And that is a lot of stuff to do. And when you're single, you don't have to do that, which is a bit easier. Um, so once they kind of, you know, were really honest about what it's like and, and people whose relationships I really respected a lot, it made me realize like, I have my struggles now, but if I was married, I would also have those struggles as well. That doesn't magically make everything go away. And I think I also had a little bit of the like weird hero, like you marry someone and they're your hero. And it's like, no, it's just a partnership. Um, you know, you're both working together to do things and all of that, but it's, it's definitely work. Relationships are work. And that helped me open my eyes to no, it's not this perfect thing where two people come together and they have absolutely no baggage or no hard things to work through and no fears and, and they just live perfect lives. That's not the reality of it. The only relationship we have like that is with Jesus on his side. So that's, that's the only thing that really can fulfill us. Yeah, that's, that is just really, those are, those are good things, really good things to have friends that are willing to be honest with you for sure. Mm -hmm. And just to understand that other side of marriage is just one of those things where that I'm guessing allowed you to enjoy your singleness for the time that you had it and to, um, to just be like, okay, well, for this time, this singleness is a gift for me for however long it is. It It is a gift in some ways, as well as, you know, just being able to focus on what is true, which is getting married doesn't solve all the problems. <laughs> it doesn't, you know, and that it does bring a set of problems of its own. Um, yes. Yeah. Not definitely. problems. I won't say problems, challenges. <laughs> it brings challenges of yes. its own. So, yes. And I yeah. feel like in singleness, it's like every day I had the choice to either be upset and feel sorry for myself or God's allowed me to be here. So am I going to make the most out of this time or am I going to just, you know, kind of sit back and be like, why am I here? And I wanted to be the person that says I'm going to make the most out of this time since God clearly has a reason for letting me be here. I think that really, really helped for me to to be happy in it and yeah, see all the support from my friends and things like that and and have a healthy view of marriage for sure. Well, we are getting to the end of our time, Hannah, and I just appreciate you just sharing all of this. I could go on for much longer, but as we wrap up, I would love to know if you have any final words of encouragement or advice for, first of all, our single listeners and also our listeners with singles in their lives. Yeah, I think that something that was really cool for, for me to realize is we often like to use the phrase in the church, the gift of singleness. And it's kind of a cringy phrase if you're single, like, oh, I yeah. don't want this gift. Why do I have to be single? I don't I don't want this. Yeah. Um, but God really showed me how it could be a gift. And that is that a lot of times, you know, people in the world, people who aren't Christian, even people who are Christian sometimes think that you need to be in a relationship to be happy. So when I first became single, people would ask me about my relationship status and I'd be kind of awkward, like, oh, I'm single. But then when God really changed my heart, I would be excited. I'd be like, I'm single. It's great. And people would be like, what? Like, how are you so happy? How are you so normal if you're single? It really made people think to see a single person who is happy because that's not 
normal for a lot of people. That doesn't make sense for a lot of people. And then they'd be like, how, how does that happen? And then I'd be able to share about God and, you know, God's with me and God loves me and that's what I need. So I think being single and being able to get to the spot where you're happy with it is just a great gift to evangelize to people because it doesn't make sense to live lives like this. Like people really aren't comfortable with, oh, I want to be single and, and it's totally fine. Uh, it really seems to open up people's eyes and I, I've seen that happen a lot. So I think that's a really cool thing about singleness. Well, where can our listeners find you online and on social media and find your book or pre-order? Only not pre-order because they'll get it right away. <laughs> yes, exactly. They can find me at hannahshimmerhorn.com or only a single life on Facebook and Instagram. And then they can basically buy my book anywhere copies are sold. So it's on Amazon, Target, uh, Walmart. It's on christianbook.com, all sorts of places. So you can just look it up and you should be able to find it. All right. Well, how can we pray for you today? I'm going to close this up in prayer. Yeah, I think for me, um, just the whole book launching for the first time is new to me. And there's a lot of different things with that that are exciting and both a little nerve wracking as people start to read my book. So definitely just prayers of encouragement and, you know, God to keep sustaining me and, and helping me through this time would be great. Absolutely. Well, congratulations on your book, Hannah. And again, thank you for being here with us. We really, really enjoyed talking with you today. Yeah, thanks for having me. God, we just thank you for Hannah. Thank you so much for just her obedience in doing something that was a big step that wasn't in her comfort zone. And and just uh, thank you for working to show her that next step. We just pray, God, that as this book comes into the world, that you would just anoint it, set it apart for yourself and just bless it, God. We just pray that it would go out and impact so many more people than Hannah ever could even imagine that you would just bring hope to lonely people who have not seen your work in their singleness, that you would bring salvation to people who otherwise would not know Jesus. Um, we pray that you would just allow the people that read this book to grow closer to you, to take that one step closer to you, whatever it is. And, and we just pray for comfort and, and that people that read this book would feel seen, would feel loved, would know that their prayers are being heard and that you're at work behind the scenes. And we just pray for Hannah, just that you would allow her to feel joy and that you would just alleviate any anxiety or stress about the launch of the book, God, and just allow her to be present and and joyful as she sees it go out into the world finally and and just know that your hand is on it and that your hand is on every word that got printed on that book lord that it was your plan for those things to go out and we just pray in Jesus name that you would just give her joy through it that you would bring success to the book launch and um and that you would be glorified and your kingdom would grow as a result of it um Lord, we just pray for each person listening, whether single or not, that you would just reveal your presence to each one, that she would know that you love her, that you see her, that you are at work in her life and that she can trust you and, and just talk to you no matter what. Um, I just pray that if anyone feels like they can't be themselves in a conversation with you about their heartbreak or disappointment that you would just open those doors and welcome 
those prayers so that you can bring healing and just bring bring work into the lives of each person praying today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.